Welcome, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the Razzball Fantasy Hockey Podcast. This is Reed. We have Viz here again, as always. Pretty standard, you know, same thing, same thing. Viz, tough Bills Sunday, uh, <laughs> tough Sabres season so far. Yeah. God, it kind of sucks being a Buffalo sports yeah, fan. It was, not a, it was not a good weekend for me, too. I, I I root for Notre Dame too, so then they got popped mm. up too. It, it's uh, not too much went right this weekend in terms of sports, but uh, I guess that's the nature of the beast. And sadly, used to it at this point. Somehow the Bills are still in a playoff spot because the ASC's horrible. Um, Savers, I'm, they're just so frustrating. Besides the point, I mean. This is a hockey podcast, but we're not going to focus on them today uh, outside of maybe one or two minor things. But uh, how about how are things going for you? They're okay. Uh, I was telling you earlier before we hit the record button, some fantasy heartbreak. Um, But I started off my fantasy hockey week on a strong note yesterday. Or is this going up Wednesday? No, I'll I'll try to get it up Tuesday. All right, perfect. Yeah, well, uh, Monday I str- I had uh, three Carolina players, including Sebastian Ajo and Tivu Teravainen. So I already have six goals, six assists, plus nine. I just absolutely curb stomped the Monday against my opponent, and he started Mike Smith, who left after the first period with giving up two goals and seven shots. So I'm feeling pretty good about it for this right now. Yeah, as you should. Um, I guess that's a nice little segue. We can talk about some injuries. Yeah. Um, Mike Smith did leave the game against... (laughs) (laughs) You like how seamless that was? Mike Smith did leave the game. Uh, They're shellacking. Who did they they even play? They played the Blues. Oh, they played the Blues, and they scored. They put up seven on them, but Mike Smith left. Uh, it means it's um, any lack of time. I, I mean, if you need starts, I'd grab them because the Flames are playing uh, pretty well right now. Uh, ninth in score, Justin Corsi. You know, it, they're six and four in the last ten, but it, it feels like they've done even better than that in the last few games. They're on a decent win streak. So, uh, I mean, Lack struggled in Carolina in the past, but when he was with Vancouver, you know, he looked pretty good i i still believe in him to an extent so i, I would grab him if you need some goaltending help i might put in a claim for him right now as we're doing this on a, a team or two <laughs> not if i get there first well um okay other injury news uh the big one like right after we recorded last week ryan Getzlaff. he's gonna miss serious time this Anaheim team already is struggling. I believe in the standings are close. I think they're third last or fourth last in the Western Conference. Yeah, they have 17. They're 7 7 and 3. Man, without Getzlav, this, this looks a lot like that Nashville team that entered the cup final where there's just no center depth. You have talent on the wings, but no center depth whatsoever. Yeah, it's um, it's ugly. I mean, they're, they're playing Derek Grant with Perry or Cal. Derek Grant's playing 19 and a half minutes. I mean, he, he almost set the record for longest streak to start a career without scoring a goal. That just shows you what they're working with. He's on their first line right now. I mean, we talked about the preseason, or at least I said I thought the Ducks were like plus 
think it was plus 500 to miss the playoffs. It might have been even better. And I just thought there was a chance they'd start slow and have to fight. And, I mean, it's gotten even worse because of Getzlaff missing time even before this injury. Uh, Ease went down with his illness. You know, Kessler still is expected. Kase's out now, too. I mean, this team is just so gutted. And, yeah, the blue line's just missing Fowler. It's getting closer. But, I mean, a good blue line with, <laughs> without anyone who could score. I mean, like, how many guys on this team, if they played a full year, could you say could score 20 goals? It's basically, at this point, Raquel, Perry, and Silverberg, and that's it. Yeah, that's it. You might that, get like all. 15 from Cagliano and Richie, and lucky to hit double digits with anybody else. I mean, it is a complete mess. So uh, times are getting tough for them. And, I, and with the Kings' emergence, you know, the Sharks are playing well, the Flames, you know, and the Oilers, I still think you're going to have some sort of run to get back into it. I mean, the Ducks, they're in real trouble. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm not as sold on Edmonton making that run as you are. I, I also predicted that Ayers... get in, but I do think they, they're they going to get better right. than where they're at. I mean, they're... What the hell's their record right now? 6-9-2. and two. I think, you know, it'll marginally get better than that at the least. Yeah, I mean, they're on a long road trip. We'll see. They play tonight against Vegas, so... At home, they should yeah, win I mean, that, that game. That's a game that you need to win if you're gonna start to turn things yeah. around. Um, was there another Vegas goalie injury since the last time we recorded? Because I feel <laughs> no, I feel man. like we can we're like a lock to do that. Oh, no, and they're actually Subban starting to practice, so he should be back. He might be back before Flurry. I know Flurry didn't go on this two game road trip. Anyone coming back in the three would help because Lagasse is not an NHL goalie fact that they haven't lost every single game is kind of amazing save percentage is well below 900 so i mean suban again it was only what four or four or five games he played at the most till he got hurt but i mean it would help quite a bit yeah i agree um austin matthews has missed uh, a couple games now you know they've had you know he, he almost played on Saturday or Friday, I believe, and then he just didn't take the trip on the back to back. They've had off until they don't play until Thursday, so my guess is that he's going to play Thursday. If not, it'll be back. He'll be back soon. It doesn't sound like it's anything too serious. I mean, Babcock said something like, "We don't know when he'll be back," but I don't. I haven't seen any indication that it's going to be anything even semi long term. Yeah, um, we talked about before the season, it'll be interesting to see because last year Toronto had, it felt like no injuries at all the entire year. Um, They've, I mean, they've won four in a row, Toronto has, but at some point it's going to catch up if he keeps missing games, I think. Um, It's nice to see that Mitch Marner scored. For the first time since opening fucking night. Yeah, he's picking it up. Yeah. Uh, like, here's the thing where I'm going to hold a little bit of reservation um, for those games that Toronto won the, uh, since Matthews has been out. Or their last four games. They were at home against Vegas. They won in a shootout. 
They were at home against Minnesota. They won 4-2. to two. They were at home against Boston, and they won in overtime 3-2. And then they beat Boston again in Boston. So, and I don't have to show you the standings to tell you that Boston actually isn't that great of a team. Mm-hmm. So it's not – it's one of those – I want to see what they do. They play – I think it's tonight. They play against New Jersey. <laughs> Is it tonight? Yeah. Tonight or tomorrow? Uh-huh. Tomorrow. No, Thursday. Yeah, they don't play on Thursday. Yeah, they played Thursday. They play against New Jersey. That's a that'll be if Austin Matthews isn't back. I think that'll be a true test of okay, how good actually is this team? Because I'm as I've said for the last probably three podcasts now, I'm all in on New Jersey this year. They play fast. They are skilled. Nico Hishire has arrived. Um, this team's woke. It's lit. It's young. <laughs> it's fast. Will Butcher keeps putting up assists. He it looks really good. This team looks really good. Uh, Corey Schneider's doing enough on the back end. He is back, I believe. He uh, mm-hmm. missed some. He missed a uh, game yeah, I mean, last he, week. Kincaid played Sunday, but I don't. I wouldn't be too worried about Schneider. Yeah. Um, Marshawn didn't take the trip with Boston. They got a three-game road trip. Uh, the California games. I kind of came out of nowhere because he played Saturday in Serrano and played like over 21 minutes. But uh, obviously, if you know, hopefully, if you're in a weekly lineup league, you didn't put him in because he's unless he meets the team on his way out uh, or while they're out there, he's going to miss every game they plan to have this week. Uh, I don't even know what exactly happened to him. They said undisclosed injuries, so can't really give you any more information since I don't, no one really has any. I mean, but that just uh, kills Boston. I mean, you look to use goalies against them in DFS. I mean, they don't, they don't have much then outside of Pasternak and, and Bergeron at that point. The, the young guys have been inconsistent to say the least. Yeah, although their first game is at Anaheim, so... Uh, take the under. Yeah, I was gonna say that just screams like a two-one game at this point. Yeah. Um, what? Wenberg's um, uh, not gonna play on Tuesday against Montreal again. They another unspecified injury, but I mean, Tord said he's doubtful. So to me, that means he'll be back their next game after this. I believe it's on Friday. So again, nothing to worry about. Uh, Nolan Patrick is probably gonna be back on Thursday against Winnipeg. I don't really know what they're going to do with the lines or if he becomes fantasy relevant because, I mean, the, the first line's just been incredible. Uh, moving Giroud to wing with sliding Coachery up there has been great. Um, I mean, he probably should just go right back in with Wayne Simmons giving yes. a decent streaming, streaming value, but who knows with what they're doing, honestly. Outside of the first line, it just seems like everything's a mess. There's the way... They have these defensive pairs too. I don't, I don't know. I mean, they've been fine. I mean, they're not struggling badly by any means. I mean, they're eight, seven, and two plus goal differential. Uh, you know, Corsi's middle of the pack, almost fifty percent. So, I mean, they're an average team. That's kind of what we've come to expect from Philly over the last couple of years. So, I don't know. Watch Patrick for a game or two. See how they're using him. See where the minutes are before you decide to to use them or not. Yeah. I'm trying to see. I feel like there's 
one or two other guys. I mean, Nylander's didn't practice because he's sick, but I assume he'll be fine. Uh, maybe that is it in terms of injuries. Oh, Huberto, uh, he's another guy. He, you know, you'll see the headline mispractice, but he's just sick and should play. So, uh, I think that about covers it for everybody. I mean, Hartnell's gonna miss Tuesday against Washington, so don't stream him. Or if you have him for penalty minutes, grab somebody else for him, Tom Wilson or whatever. Yeah, I almost think Tom Wilson would be better for penalty minutes. Yeah, I mean he's not gonna score to Hartnell's level, but uh, I I'm streaming Wilson in our league. Oh, I streamed him on Sunday because I was tied in penalty minutes and he managed to get me seven against uh, Edmonton, so that was a nice uh, stealing of a category, but uh, yeah, it should about cover it for for injuries. Um, what, are you, what are you looking to talk about right now? Give, <laughs> give me something. Um, oh, Sidney Crosby, mm-hmm. not in the top 50 in scoring, uh, tied for dead last and plus minus. Mm-hmm. Um, is this team... I'm going to do the ridiculously hot take that you can shut down. Is this team shifting more to Malkin and Kessel in terms of your point production? I mean, it could change on a dime, I think. I mean, yeah, Pittsburgh, the record doesn't look good. The goal difference is horrible. They've also played six home games, the 13 road games, and they're 5-0-1 at home. So I still think they'll, they'll be just fine. And Crosby, you know, I think part of it is – you know, Gensel doesn't look nearly as good as we had hoped. Uh, Sheary, not too consistent. Now they got Russ there in, on their line now. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to doubt him. I assume he's going to break out sooner than later. But, I mean, there's something to that. Melkin always is at a point-per-game level, and he's healthy at least. And, and Kessel's been quietly there their best player honestly to this point i mean you look at the player here i'm pretty sure comes in as the number three forward behind the tampa duo yeah because he's just killing it across the board i mean seven plus 15 in 19 games with over four shots a game in 22 penalty minutes which is obviously completely unsustainable but uh, he's been everything you could have hoped for castle where you're getting him what in the probably the fourth or fifth round in your drafts and you're getting a guy who's yep. been incredible. So, I mean, it is making it tougher. Teams are always going to match up their top defensive line against Crosby and Penguins are making them pay. Well, Malcolm Kessel specifically are making them pay right now. Um, Blake Wheeler is third in points per game. He's got uh, 23 points in 16 games. He has been absolutely incredible do you see him finishing in the top 10 in scoring this year? Wouldn't surprise me at all. Was, was, what was two years ago we did? It wasn't last year. I can't remember. Whatever, it's whatever two years year ago, he had yeah. 78 points. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to bet against it. I, I would probably lean that way because that first line is great. I mean, Kyle Connor has fit in very well. Shifley and him are terrific. I mean, when they play the Stars, just take those guys in DFS. Shifley's got a goal against them in like 10 straight games. He has 21 points in his last 10 against Dallas. You know, that game, Wheeler had four assists. For whatever reason, they just destroyed Dallas and pulled over him. But, yeah, I mean, Wheeler's always <clears> – <throat> I would bet on being a top-10 fantasy forward because he hits every category. He's got 16 pounding minutes, which is, I mean, relatively normal. It's a little above, but he's, he can lock in 50-plus. 
three shots a game. He's plus four. He plays on a great power play. He's just a six-category stud. And outside of, you know, Kucherov right now, he's the best guy across every category. So, yeah, I don't, I'm not betting against anybody on, on Winnipeg right now. I mean, he, he, I, I tweeted something out, I don't know, a week or two ago. Like, how a guy like Wheeler has been underrated for so long. Like, I remember it being a big deal when he made the last Olympic team when it seemed like, to me, it was like a trivial choice. I mean, every year, he's just, it's the same thing. He's, he's never hurt. He puts up close to a point per game. You know, it's 25 to 28 goals, like clockwork with, you know, depending on the year, 40 assists, 50 assists. The shots are there. He, he's always a plus player since, you know, the last five years, like, dominant possession player you look at what you know they haven't been so far this year which is the one weird thing but i assume that's gonna to fix itself he's been a plus Corsi player outside of his second or his third year in the, the league with boston every other year he's been a plus player so i assume that's gonna fix itself giving him even more upside if they're gonna start having the puck a little more like there's just I don't know. He's a superstar. doesn't get credit for being a superstar is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I agree <clears throat> completely. Um, other big ticket items to talk about. Arizona at Winnipeg <laughs> tonight. Um, we just talked about Winnipeg. Clayton Keller. Uh, he's got 11 goals and 6 assists. He's got 17 points in 19 games. He's, he's over 3 shots a game. Uh, he's a rookie. Does he finish in the top 50 in scoring this year? 50, so that means he'll probably have to give what? Like 60 to 60? Yeah, probably like 60 to 65 points because the goals are up around the league. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, that top line is great for them. They're going to get big minutes because they don't have anything else, really. I, I mean, I think he could even get better as he gets more acclimated with the league and everything. You know, sure, there's a chance that he hits the wall, you know, come February when you know, he's done. At that point, he'll already have played, what, 50 games, and that'll be more than he's played in any other season in his career. But at the same time, you can just see him. And it, you don't have to, like, you don't have to pay close attention and he stands out, if you know what I mean. Like, he's doing something almost on a regular basis, on a shift to shift basis that makes him stand out I still think Arizona is going to make a little climb they're not historically bad like they've been so far getting Ronta back is going to help yeah I I would say he'll get in the top 50 I mean how how much worse is is he going to get I mean sure he can hit a wall you know he could do what Larkin did two years ago but I would bet on him I still think he's the the rookie of the year favorite, even though the team is this horrible. And I mean, just because they dig dug such a hole, you have to say they're the semi prohibitive favorite to finish with the worst record at this point. Yeah, I agree. Um, Oh, did you have something? I was just say the Rangers are hot as hell. Yes. I'm going to turn around. Um, You know, I've been preaching about Buchnevich for a while. He's, starting to get picked up everywhere he's up to 54 percent now uh, should be owned everywhere honestly it's mostly the power play though you look at what they're doing the other day 
tons of power play goals. Shattenkirk has just uh, made a massive difference there. He's on a seven-game point streak. He's minus six, yeah, but you're not complaining. He's a point per game with 22 poly minutes already, nine special teams points. Vintage adds up to 10, uh, 10 special teams points. He's been a, a godsend for people who got him in the middle rounds. Uh, you know, at least for Lundqvist, he's starting to move like back to at least like Frederick Anderson territory where the wins are really good. Uh, the other numbers are a little behind. I think they could get better. Um, you know, I wouldn't be looking like necessarily buy low on Lundqvist, but if I had him, I would just roll him and wouldn't wouldn't panic about it. Uh, another guy who's been on fire is uh, Jason Zucker. Uh, yes. How much do you believe in him going forward? I mean, he's got the Wilds' last six goals. Uh, one more, and that's in the past three games. He gets he gets their first goal tonight against Philly, and it ties an NHL record for uh, most consecutive goals by one player for his team. It's up to nine plus five on the year, uh, close to three shots a game. Not going to really give you any power minutes, but uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on him going? Forward? I'm going to buy him mainly because he showed this last year. We talked about him last year on the podcast right. when we were discussing, I think it was uh, Grandland he was playing with, and those two had a connection, and they were making just filthy plays and just uh, tic-tac-toe sort of goals mm. and just uh, odd man rushes. Those two have chemistry. I don't even know if they're playing together right now, but Zucker, I mean, he's shown this propensity to score and put up points. Mm-hmm. He showed it last year. Um, clearly... He looks better under a Bruce Boudreaux system. Mm. And Minnesota is only going to get better. They started off ice cold this year, and they are not as bad as their record. They are much better than what their record is. Mm. I like, I'll buy it. And at home against uh, Philly. Yeah, I would. I mean, he's available, I don't, I don't know what the pro- he's available in half a league still. Like, I don't yeah. know what the prop bet is, but. There's a good chance he gets the first goal for him. Yeah, I mean, he's playing with Stahl and Nino right now, which in that line's been uh, doing fairly well. Yeah, you're right. The Wild are coming around. Dubnik's had back-to-back shutouts, so they'll work their way back up the standings. They're getting closer to healthy. Uh, I mean, they're really just missing Coyle and Parisi right now. Parisi, who the hell knows when he's going to be back. Coyle was supposed to be... How long was he supposed to be out for? Is there like six weeks or so? And that was right near the beginning of the season. I mean, he only played three games, so he's probably going to be back in two weeks or so. That'll give him some more depth. Yeah, I'm buying in the wild, too. Um, you know, building off of Dubnik goalies who are starting to pick it up. I mean, Holpe, you know, Washington was struggling a bit. He's already back to the number three goalie on the Raider because he's piling up the wins. Uh, you know, he had back-to-back one goals against games against Pittsburgh and Edmonton. So, obviously, no reason to worry about him. I mean, Bob's up at number four. He's just uh, a monster. Um, does Charlie Lindgren's performance, since he's coming, give you any hope for Price when he comes back? I think... Or is this like the... the the Ewing theory, where like the team is playing harder because Lingard's in that. Yes, on um, you know what? I'm gonna go with that theory because, I, like, Montreal in that game against Buffalo, they won two to one in overtime. 
Mm-hmm. Buffalo should have scored at least like five goals that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, for sure. let's just call it for what it is. I think, and I haven't watched all 31 teams yet. Mm-hmm. I'm getting there. Buffalo has the least amount of finish in the league. And what I mean by that is they have the least, they have the lowest ability to finish a play or pick a corner with a shot or like shoot and score directly. Everything that they do is all grit. It's all grinding. It's all dirty goals. And that's a great talking point for some, uh, for some of the guys on the NHL network that do the pregame, or that's a great Mike Milbury talking point about, oh, they needed to add grit. They need to add toughness. They needed to add Ryan Reeves to their roster. <laughs> no. Speed and skill is what gets you goals in this league. And finish. It's a finishing touch. If you watch, because I don't think the, the Sabres players are as slow as um, you would like to see some of the fans claim they are. Although I do think that they, on an average player, are slower than most teams. When I see Jack Eichel go end-to-end and then shoot it wide, when I see uh, Vander Kane streak down the side and shoot it wide, when I see all of these open nets and the puck goes wide or they shoot it right at somebody uh, standing in front of the net, I'm sitting there thinking, where's the skill? Like, there's... There's puck handling skill, which I also think they lack. And then there's finishing touch. This And I don't think I could chalk up Lindgren's performance so much as, wow, he just played out of his mind. Or to instead of, well, you know, honestly, the Sabres just can't score. They've had one goal in each of their last, like, three games or something. They, they don't score. The team, the, they struggle to score. So... It was encouraging to see that Montreal can play with a backup going. They don't need Price every single game to carry them. But have they actually shown that they don't, that they, when Price is in the lineup, that they can do it with him having an off night? And I haven't really seen that yet. So maybe this is the boost they need, but I'm just skeptical of this Montreal team, and I picked them to miss the playoffs, so I'm sort of rooting for that at the same time. <laughs> no, I'd same. It's a great story for Linger to come up. I mean, I wrote about him as a good prospect before the season and thought that uh, if Bryce does well, they'll try to move him. Maybe that's still the case. I mean, his value has never been higher on the league. I, don't, I still don't really know what to make of this Montreal team, which is the main reason I asked you. It's some individual talent, but on the mo- for the most part, I mean, the blue line's a train wreck. Their best defensive defenseman is Jordy Ben, I, and that just says all you really need to know. Um, I mean, I think Price will definitely get better than what he was, but I'm not convinced he's going to get you know, that much better. Um, I was looking at possession stats, uh, kind of by a decent margin, best team in the league, Carolina. Uh, yes, I know they had a 60-shot game against the uh, Colorado that's going to move the needle a bit, but they've just been pummeling the other team. Um, kind of what I thought they've been what I thought they were going to be. You know, Darling's starting to come around uh, quite a bit. I mean, yeah, he gave up four on Saturday against uh, Chicago, but that was a that was a three nothing game that <clears throat> got a bit uglier. It ended in overtime too. 
Carolina just kind of took their foot off the gas and certainly wasn't his fault. Otherwise, he's been starting to put it together. I think we see Carolina take another jump up and get into, you know, right now they're see, two points out of a wild card spot with Pittsburgh. You know, where are they? Three points up, but they've also played three more games than Carolina. I would bet on – I'd still bet on Carolina making the playoffs is what, what I'm getting at, basically, even though they're, they'd be out right now, <clears throat> barely. I mean, we talked about Terravine and Ajo. They're starting to pick it up as they move together. That's helped quite a bit. And Justin Falk has been really struggling, which is kind of surprising to me. Uh, I would still probably try to buy low on him if you could. And we could talk about defensemen, too. I mean <laughs> – He's got one goal. Brett Burns somehow doesn't have a goal yet. He's got an even higher shot rate than last year, and he still doesn't have a goal. Okay, so the goals are coming right. for Brett Big Burns, Buff, right? Big Buff still doesn't have a goal. Now, he's obviously not to Burns' level. Burns scored 29 goals last year. Big Buff's been a double-digit guy for a while. His shot rate's down a bit. I mean, still at almost two and a half a game. You know, he's been fine for you otherwise because he's got 10 assists, 7 on the power play. Uh, he's plus three, and he's got 29 penalty minutes already, so it's not like he's killing you. But, yeah, I mean, Burns, you, you just got to assume sooner than later he's going to have a game where he – or a streak where he scores, I don't know, seven goals in ten games, and it fixes itself. And, there's, yeah, and that's kind I of agree. an impressive thing for the, the Sharks, too. I mean, their numbers are good, too. You look at their you – know, shooting their, their possession numbers. They're fifth in the league in score, Justin Corsi, uh, in terms of just getting shots on goal. Uh, they're second in the league. And when the game is close, they're actually in, uh, within a goal. This is considered close one or the other. Uh, you know, they're number one in the league, actually. So everything's checking out for the Sharks. If they get Burns going, it's going to go a long way because they don't I mean, Couture's been solid, top line. They don't really have the depth offensively to score goals, and they need him, honestly. It's kind of impressive that they're even 10-6, and six, considering how little he's done. Uh, I also thought it was interesting. Uh, Toronto is actually the worst team in terms of shots on goal when the game's within a goal. Uh, you, know, you look at the other teams at the bottom, them, Winnipeg, Washington, New Jersey. These teams have the ability to counter very well, so it's not like a death sentence. Like the Devils are near the bottom of, you know, of course, either second last, but uh, they remind me a lot of that Colorado team three years ago that somehow won the division and they were a bottom five Corsi team and everyone said they were going to regress all year. I mean, I don't think the Devils are going to finish with whatever. It was over 110 points, but the point remains that their counter ability is so strong that they don't need to have the puck as much as other teams do to generate chances. I mean, you even have guys like Miles Wood who had a hat trick the other day. His raw speed on the bottom six makes such a difference. And I think you're starting to see that with a few teams that they don't need the puck as much because they're looking to counter and it places their style better. As long as you limit the actual shots on goal, It'll be fine for the Devils. Yeah, uh, speaking of the Devils, Nico Hishire up to 14 points. Um, he started off slow mm-hmm. this year as well. 
and he's really turned it on playing on that first line with Taylor Hall and uh, Kyle Palmieri. Mm. They look good. Taylor Hall has 19 points so far this year. Um, he's shooting the puck. He's not even – it's even at three shots. He's a little bit over three shots a game. I'm – like, you got to feel good about it, right? Oh, for sure. Hishire just under two shots a game. You'd like to see that move up a little bit. Mm-hmm. It should, though, in time at least. I mean, maybe yeah. it won't completely this year, but – it could in the second half, and it will eventually. He's too good of a player not to. Um, that's about best. Who do you think the best line in hockey is outside of, or even the best team, best line, either way you want to look at it, um, outside of Tampa and the Kucherov line right now? I mean, contenders, the Blues' top line right now, uh, Tarasenko, Shen, Schwartz, these guys are all in the top 10 in scoring. You have Wheeler, Shifley, and uh, Connor. Straight killing it. Uh, Tavares, Bailey, and Anders Lee have been outstanding. You have Couture with Borchek and Giroux. All those guys are at a point per game and pushing it. Uh, Huberto, Barkov, Dadinoff are playing outstanding, even though Florida's a mess. Part of the reason they're a mess, they're not really getting anything else outside of Trocek. Um, obviously, the Pasternak, Bergeron, Marshall line when they're healthy. Even Dustin Brown with Kopitar and I follow right now are playing great. Verlin actually has seven goals, so it's not, you know, Drew or uh, Goudreau and Monahan are killing it. I don't know. Who who do you think is the second best line going right now? This, um, honestly, like, could we just put all of them at number two? <laughs> because every line that you've listed has been incredible so far. Um, I don't even know if you mentioned the Malkin Kessel. No, I didn't even get to them because yeah. that line has been very, very, very good as well. Um, I think the best playing line right now would have to be the Tavares, Lee, and who's the other guy? Bailey. Now Bailey put Everly with uh, Barzil, and Barzil has looked good as well. But that first, that top line in uh, on for the Islanders. They've looked amazing the past several weeks. And in terms of who's the best playing right now after that top Tampa line, I almost I feel like I should be saying them because they started off slow and they have come roaring back. We talked about how John Tavares had six points in his first like nine games or something. And or he had and then like the game yeah. it was like through the first six games or something, he only had like three points. He's up to 19 points now in 17 games. Like, he's just been an absolute monster. Um, That whole line has just, they've almost carried that. T- I want to say carried, but Barzil has also looked incredible. So it's not like Tavares' line is carrying them. The uh, There's no right answer. Or I guess, better phrase, there's no wrong answer to that question. Right. Because they've all been electric. Winnipeg's line, obviously. Uh, the Goudreau line has been lights out. The St. Louis line has three players in the top yeah, eight, I would probably, eight in I would scoring. probably lean their way, but, I, I mean, I'm just impressed with Shen because I wasn't sure he had another level to his game offensively. I kind of thought he was, uh, even in his draft year, the reason he was such a high pick is because he was so safe and projected to be like a 
a 50 to 60 point player. And then, you know, it turned out I'm thinking, all right, he's end up being the 60 point player. That's great. And holy hell, I mean, 22 points in 19 games plus 14, they're just killing it at even strength. Uh, you know, Schwartz has been outstanding. Uh, Tarasenko has been who he is. So, I mean, they're a huge reason why the Blues are doing so well. Now that they're starting to get healthy, Stassi's looking nice and separated from those guys still. You got Steen, Bax, Boca. I mean, Blues are looking pretty damn good. I think they, I think it'd be worth it for them to try to make an aggressive move at the, the deadline for, you know, either to solidify the blue line a little bit or, you know, a little more depth offensively. I like where they're, where they're at. Um, one other thing that stood out to me looking around is Drysdale, you know, twelve points in thirteen games, fine, about what we expect. Uh, almost three shots a game, good to see. It's up a bit. Zero power play points, which just means that's going to turn around. And I would, I don't think you could really buy low on him, but if you could, I would be all for it because one, that that top line is just incredible with the puck, like they're dominating possession wise and sure you're not going to get big penalty minutes but if he's almost a point per game at even strength you could see some some massive totals you could see a turnaround quick so while I still am worried about Edmonton uh, I'm not worried about him or McDavid at all or Maroon for that matter too since he's seemingly permanently uh, in that spot yeah um, I like that top line's gonna eat. Like they're gonna do really well. Mm-hmm. The problem with Edmonton is the rest of their roster looks bad. Right. And outside of R and H, because I think he actually has looked good. Well, that's a problem. Like, and you could, we could have a whole other podcast about whether tanking works or not. And fr- like, frankly, I. Uh, Who's the guy? Uh, Peter Shirelli. When he was brought into Edmonton, I started shaking my head saying, why? Why him? Why, why would you do that to yourselves? You're you're just setting yourself up for poor roster construction. And lo and behold, they have poor roster construction. Like, Chris Russell should not be getting that contract. Um, as solid as Adam Larson has been, he is not a top pair defenseman. Like, come on, guys. Like, it's not that hard. Yeah. Or I guess it's not that hard to see that those aren't the correct moves. I'm not sure uh, the average person could identify what the correct move is, but I think the average viewer could tell that those were not the correct moves. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, let's put it this way. How many good trades or signings has Shirelli made since he took over? <laughs> Are we counting contract extensions? Because I think the McDavid contract extension was very good. Sure. Okay. We give give him that. Um, I'm still on the fence about the Dry's Idol one because that was eight. That was. That's a lot of term. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that was reasonable. I don't. I uh, yeah, I I don't hate it. Um, I mean, it, it, exactly the fact that 
he's been there for over two years now and we're unsure on a few, on most of it i mean i would say he did very well to get maroon for what he did and i thought the sakara signing was solid at the time which was like his first real big move uh, when he got there but uh other than that i don't really like anything Lucci's contract was awful the ryan strome trade was awful uh, terrible trying to th- what else has he done uh, it's just the team's in the same spot I mean Taylor Hall trade was awful you know, trading for Russell and re-signing him was just bad um, I mean I guess he deserves some credit for Talbot but uh, overall the or signing Kazula maybe, but the thing is like Kazula signed there because he wanted to play with McDavid, so I can't even. It's hard to give him real credit for that either. So I just, I, we've ripped him long and you know for years now. It's not even just a uh, Edmonton thing. It was a Boston thing. Sure, they won a cup. He also killed that team for the future. I mean, he traded away uh, Sagan and Dougie Hamilton and got back some picks and then random guys who aren't even in the organization anymore, like Riley Smith, Louis Erickson, just a train wreck of a trade. Uh, that would be my concern with Edmonton to do is you have McDavid and then he just fucks up everything around it to be blunt. Uh, and Puyo Yarvi being up now, it does kind of excite me a little bit. I mean, that's nothing. He deserves credit for it. He should be up anyway. I mean, you look at their – their bottom six, it's bad, man. Like, you're looking at UC Okanen, doesn't really have it anymore. Strom, bad. <laughs> like, he's just, I can't believe how bad he is. Uh, Eero Packerin and whatever. Uh, Brad Malone, didn't know he was in the league. Mark Ledestu, solid bottom sixer. Cassian, solid bottom sixer. Like, it's, it's just ugly. And, you have three guys you can count on offensively, R&H, Drysdale, McDavid, and after that, it's a bunch of question marks. And sure, Nurse is starting to show a little promise back there, but he's still a question mark too. So, yeah, I don't know. This Edmonton team could be in trouble, that's for sure. I mean, you look at all the numbers, and, yeah, the possession stats are, are great, but a lot of that is just because – the McDavid line is so dominant that it's kind of carrying the rest of their numbers. Um, I'm bringing it up, his specific stats now, just to, to make sure nothing's really changed. But, yeah, I mean, he's at a 58.5% Corsi right now. That's a huge reason why they're second in the league uh, in terms of possession. Outside of that, it's a lot of ugliness, and you know, I don't want to keep harping on them, but... Everyone thought they were uh, one of the favorites to win the cup, and I just don't see any way how that's possible unless uh, some radical change at Puyarvi just breaks out or Strom somehow finds his form from three years ago. I don't. I just don't even see how how it happens. Yeah, I don't. I don't see how it happens either. I think you and I are on the same part there. Mm-hmm. Any other takeaways before we hit up the three-point challenge? Not that I can 
Not that I have right now. I mean, that's one so. of the things I would just do quick, too. If you're looking for some buy-low candidates, just scroll through everyone's team in your league and, and look for guys who aren't producing on the power play that have been power play guys in the past and just assume it's going to turn around. Like Pavelski's had a bad start. He's only got eight points in 16 games, but he's had three shots a game. He only has one power play point. It's a fairly good bet that with that power play, with him, Thornton, Burns, that it's going to turn around. So looking at guys in that category – I think it's a good idea because it's a good indicator that things are, are going to turn around for individual guys and teams for that matter too. I mean, yeah, power play percentages swing a lot from year to year, but it's a good bet that the really good units from one year are going to be really good again. Uh, you know, we were talking about Carolina. Their power play hasn't been that good yet. You know, Ajo has got one power play point only. Falk only has three points, period. Uh or is he two of them which are on the power play? You just expect these guys to get better now. We're about one-fifth of the way through the season, so if you're looking at a guy who normally has around 20 power play points and he's got one or two, it's a safe assumption that it's probably going to turn around. Yeah, it's a very good point. So for Thursday's games, well, the top 10, we'll have 11 guys we can't take. Uh, Stamkos, Kucherov, Schwartz, Goudreau, Wheeler, Tarasenko, Kessel, Shen, Shifley, Kobitar, and Voracek. Um, for the games today, I mean, Pittsburgh against Buffalo. Bad spot for Buffalo, obviously. Columbus, Montreal. The way Montreal's been playing with Lindgren, I wouldn't really want to touch that game. Dallas, Florida should be wide open. Dallas on a back-to-back. Washington, Nashville. Kind of lean towards a tighter game there, but it could go either way. Winnipeg should blow Arizona out of the water, I would think. Uh, Minnesota, Philly just played the other day too, uh, one nothing game. Would expect a tighter game again. Uh, Vegas, Edmonton, great spot for Vegas, and then Kings, Canucks. I want nothing to do with. Um, as far as who hit it last time, that would be Reed. Uh, hit three points with Malkin. I'll, I'll right. double check, but I don't think anybody else did. So, um, your honor, your honor. Um, this is a tough one. I'm going to go with Barkov from Florida. Okay. I. The Stars on the back-to-back is always bad. They're on the road. They lost pretty bad to Carolina last night. And we talked about lines that have been really good. Barkov, Huberdo, and Dadanov has been lights out for Florida. And if anyone's going to produce, it's going to be those assholes. So, yeah, yeah, I'm going with Barkov. I don't really like much else. Um, in tonight's slate of I'm games. Gonna just, I'm going to be kind of cheap about this and, and take Crosby against Buffalo. I just, It just seems like a game that the Sabres are going to get blown out of the water because Pittsburgh hasn't been playing as well as, as we're used to. So, I mean, sure, the first line's been a mess, but Buffalo's been helping teams fix that quite a bit. Sure, the last game was closer overtime loss, but it was Montreal. Montreal is playing low-scoring games right now. Pittsburgh's 5-0-1 at home, and it's not going to be forever that you'll be able to take Crosby, so I'm going to guess that his turnaround starts tonight. 
uh, against the Sabres because why not? Picking against the Sabres last time didn't really do me any good. I think Backstrom won pointless. He might have had one assist, but I don't know. The team's a mess right now, and picking on them can't be a bad idea. Um, anyone for DFS stand out for you as a cheaper option maybe um, on this slate? Um, yikes. There's not much, honestly. I mean, not much. Kyle, Kyle Connor is a... Uh, Yes. Good option, but he, his price is starting to creep up there. Um, I mean, could you consider, like, William Carlson and some Vegas guys against Edmonton? Just because, I mean, I know Edmonton's a big favorite, but um, the over-under is six, and they've been scoring a lot. No, I, I wouldn't mind a Vegas guy or two for dirt cheap. Um Dallas is another interesting place to look. I don't know if they're going to keep it this way after, you know, the third period went horrible, but they had Ben and Sagan separate yesterday. It was Ben with Radulov and Jamel Smith for some reason, and then Sagan was with Janmark and Shore. Uh, I actually like Devin Shore as a cheap option because he plays in the first power play unit with uh, Ben, Sagan, Klingberg, and Radulov. He's always a decent play there uh, if you want to get some stars action for cheap. Um, you know, you brought up the Florida guys, took Barkoff, and they're always a good team to consider, especially tonight too, because they're never high-owned. I mean, I play DFS almost every slate, and when there's at least, you know, eight games, I don't think they're ever more than like 10 to 15% owned, and usually on the lower end. So I, I like the idea of a, a Florida stack too. Yeah, and they're, and they're as do I. I mean, I know Lettinen's had a couple good games in a row, but we've had four or five years of him being a barely 900 save percentage goalie, so I would be betting against him, and I, I like that Florida pick. Yeah, um, I do think it's something to note, though. Uh, you can't only go with cheap options. Like, you're going to have to have um, – you're gonna have to have some studs in there for sure. I mean, yeah, you gotta take. You said pick. you took Crosby, you took Crosby in the three point challenge. Um, if we didn't have a restriction on who you could take, I would take Malkin. Um, Malkin historically, I'm gonna look up the split. He has just absolutely slaughtered the Sabers every time he plays Buffalo. He has some ridiculous some just incredible game um hold on let's go yeah i mean i wouldn't be surprised if this is like a 5-1 game or even if the sabers start out well and it, it falls apart in the second or third period i feel like that happens a decent amount of time when they play pittsburgh yeah you gotta you gotta make your pick too i mean you have dallas or florida guys as an option obviously pittsburgh guys Taking Ovechkin against uh, Nashville is not a bad idea just because it's going to drive his ownership down compared to where it normally is. Uh, my guess is that Winnipeg guys are one of the highest owned on the slate, and McDavid obviously against uh, Vegas too. So you, you have some options there. I mean, as far as goalies go, I'd be looking, you know, LA and Vancouver is a good spot to take quick. Um, Dubnik's on fire, so that might drive his ownership up. So I don't know if I'd want to touch that. Well, Montreal, they've been doing better, but 
they haven't scored a lot, but they do put a lot of shots on goal, which makes me really like Bob as an option. It seems, you know, Montreal takes a lot of, like, blank shots that are almost never going to score, but every every save is huge for DFS. So I, I would kind of look towards Bob as a, one of my top options tonight. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do have the splits, though. In 33 games against the Sabres, Malkin has 14 goals, 28 assists. Uh, He's a plus 10. He's got eight power play points. Um, And he has 125 shots on net. Jesus. Now, Now, in his career, he just throttles Buffalo every time he plays them. Um, he's a lock for me to get at least one point, probably more, I'd say. I, I expect a multi-point night from him. So if I'm going to go in on a big player, I I wouldn't even hate it if you did the Malkin-Kessel stack just because yeah, you, it's I mean, that you could strong. even consider doing them two with, like, Latang too, and be a little different and yes. give yourself that. Yeah, I mean, I'm bringing up. What's their their power play is fifth in the fifth in the league right now, at a twenty four point six percent, and you know the Sabers power play is just you know it's or penalty kills you know it's dead middle of the pack it's fine it's nothing special, it, it, with the speed that the Penguins have and the lack of speed the Sabers have in spots, you gotta think the Penguins are gonna get at least like three power plays and be a pretty big favorite to get a power play goal in this game too and obviously. The fifth guy on the on the power play changes a decent amount, but we know Crosby, Malkin, Kessel, Latang are going to be out there. So changing up your stack and instead of taking, well, who's actually on that line right now with uh, with Malkin and Kessel? Hagelin. I like. I wouldn't take Hagelin. I would just rather take Latang if you want to do a three-person stack and hope for the best. Yep. Alright, that's it for now. Uh, get your picks in. Uh, I wrote in my notes on Monday on hockey.rasball.com that you can make your picks there if you haven't already. Uh, if you hear this in the afternoon, because I'm going to try to get this up as soon as possible, uh, go to hockey.rasball.com. First post will be this podcast. Write in the comment section who you want. Again, just look at the top 10 of the league in points and don't take anybody there. Um, if you know anyone that wants to sponsor the podcast or you want to sponsor the podcast yourself, reach out to us uh, either on Twitter or at on the website, and uh, I'll contact you about that. Uh, you know, we'll be back uh, next week early, probably Tuesday again, recapping what's happened in the meantime, uh, other stuff. Check the notes. You know, they'll be up. If there's at least, you know, five or six games that day, there'll be notes. Uh, listen to the the football podcast Reed's been on there every week now, uh, pregame every right. week. Um, there was a basketball podcast I did last week with Tayhole on uh, the Bledsoe trade and some other early season trends. So be sure to check that out. Uh, obviously, Razzball started as a baseball place, and there's no podcast going right now. But Reed still or uh, Reed Gray is still posting uh, the outlooks for the top prospects that are supposed to be up starting next year. I know Ronald Acuna. This was the first guy. He's been killing it in fall league as a Braves fan. It makes me excited for him and Anthopoulos as the new GM after Copaella got kicked out because of his shadiness. Uh, but for now, just enjoy some hockey. 
we'll be back, like I said, early next week. Take it easy. Yep. Take it easy, everybody. <laughs>